Today, we're concluding our first teaching series of 2021 entitled Habits. In this series, what we've described is our excitement and our optimism for the year ahead of us. And our excitement is real, but also the knowledge that the path of reemerging from a global pandemic in the months ahead is exciting, but it's not gonna be one that is a straight path all the time. Sometimes it's gonna be winding, sometimes it's gonna be difficult to navigate. And it's certainly gonna be difficult to plan in detail like so many of us like to do. What we've suggested in this series, and, and indeed what we've suggested not just for this year, but really a, a, a paradigm for the life of Christian faith, is that planning can only get us so far. And what we need to be doing is thinking more as people of faith of how we position ourselves to listen and hear and respond to God's call, rather than dictating God, here's how it's going to work. We see this played out in the scripture passage from Genesis 12 that we have been dwelling in for these four weeks. Abram and Sarai didn't have a plan to go change the world. They didn't have a plan in their mid-70s to move to Canaan, which was the wilderness. They didn't have a plan in their mid-70s to start a family. But they had the call that comes from God, and they were positioned in their lives to be able to follow and respond, and they changed the world, as few people ever do. What does it mean for you and I to position ourselves in this way? to live in this kind of way, as Craig Barnes says, to receive life rather than to think of life as being achieved. And how we've talked about developing in our, our positioning is that we do so and we actively position ourselves to be ready to follow God when God opens a door by the building of habits. A few of you have asked me about uh, more about how we think of habits, and a wonderful book I invite you to check out is by James Clear, entitled Atomic Habits. It was actually first recommended to me by Peter Graves, a member of this church. It's a really fascinating book about how we change our behavior as human beings effectively, which most of us struggle with, and I, I, would, I would recommend it to you if you'd like to dive into this further. But the habits that we talk about here at Covenant, not habits we've come up with, but habits that we see in the Bible, in the Old Testament and the New Testament, over and over and over again in the lives of people of faith are three habits. The first is the habit of solitude, or as we talked about what it means to practice the presence of God. The second is the habit of community. In this age of isolation, what does it mean to have biblical life-giving community where we come alive? And third is the habit of service. What does it mean to live for something larger than ourselves and our own consumption in order to make us happy, in order to make us fulfilled? It's not that we get to pick which of these habits we like. We talked about these habits like each leg of a three-legged stool. And on a three-legged stool, if you take one leg away, the stool topples over. That indeed all of us need to be building our lives and building our year to position ourselves to hear and respond to the call of God by the presence of these habits in our daily life. Solitude, community, service. Today, as we wrap this series up, we're not adding a fourth habit. We're sticking with these three as we've done for years. But rather what I want to do is answer the question, why? Why do these habits uniquely position us to respond when God opens a door? Why is it that we say if we don't practice habits like these, that we will uh, miss at times what God's saying to us or even the call that God might have on our life? Why is it that these habits can have this unique and powerful effect on our lives? 
To understand this better, I, I, I want to look in a little more detail at the call of Abram just so that we understand it. When God appears to Abram and calls him to go to Canaan, what we read is that Abram and Sarai and their family are in the city of Haran. Now, Haran was a, a major city. It was a major city at the time, and it was for hundreds and even over a thousand years after the time of Abram. But in the ancient world, Haram was a trading post. It was a, a large city. It was a wealthy city. And it was where people came together to increase their wealth. And we see that Abram does this. When he travels out to Canaan with his household, there are a lot of possessions uh, and, and folks that go with him. Abram has done very, very well in Haran. And nobody, especially people who have done well, leave Haran to go to Canaan. Canaan, as we've said, is the wilderness. Canaan was hundreds of miles away. Canaan was not a place of wealth. It was not a place where trading happened. It was not a place of business. It was a place that was, that was off the map, and it, all they knew was that it had some tribes that were there who were known for their violence. This wasn't a call from God to say, you know, Abram and Sarai, in your later years, I just want you to go and have a nice, quiet existence in the countryside. This was a, a challenging and a difficult call of moving off the map from everything they had known, and they follow. What's tempting for us at times is to think that somehow that means that Abram had a call that was bigger or better than anyone else's. Sometimes we can think, well, I wish I had God give me that sort of call. But what we see suggested here in the text is that God doesn't give Abram this special call because Abram's such a special person. What we see here in the text is, is that if we have this image that, that God sort of pulled Abram and Sarai aside and was like, hey, I'm not supposed to say this, but you're kind of my favorites. And so I'm going to give you all this amazing call and this amazing life, but don't tell anybody. Just go do it, and we'll see what happens. Rather, there's evidence in the text that other people received similar calls. But Abram and Sarai were the first to follow. Now, the evidence and the suggestion of this actually comes in the last two verses of chapter 11 of Genesis, which Jenna read this morning, where it talks about the life of Abram's father, Terah. Here again, what it says in verse 31, Terah took his son Abram and his grandson Lot, son of Haran, and his daughter-in-law Sarai, his son Abram's wife, and they went out together from Ur of the Chalcedons to go into the land of Canaan. But when they came to Haran, they settled there. Now, what we're going to do to illustrate this is we have to see that the call of Terah to go from Ur to Canaan was as unlikely of a call as it was from Abram, his son, to eventually go from Haran to Canaan. Ur was one of the other major cities. We're going to illustrate this on a map that's going to come up on your screen now. Ur, where you watch this kind of red curve with this red arrow, Ur is on the bottom right of your screen. It's right on the Euphrates River. It was very close to the Persian Gulf. And Ur was another of the major cities of wealth and trading in the ancient world. Now, if you look and you watch here on the map, Canaan is on the bottom left. And so what uh, Terah, if he wanted to go from Ur to Canaan, he would have just traveled directly west almost to Canaan. But you see here, he goes north. He follows this red curve, this red arrow. And the very top point is where Haran is. 
What many scholars believe is that Terah didn't just kind of have this idea to go to Canaan either, because people don't leave Ur, especially people who have done well, to go to Canaan. But that there is a chance that God's call had come to Terah, this very uncertain call to go out into the wilderness, to leave his, his security, to leave the safety, to leave the known, to leave the wealth, to leave all the things that he had worked for, and to take all of that and to go to Canaan. And so what, what Terah does is rather than just heading straight to Canaan, he kind of travels north to Haran to the last possible trade place where he could get to before he had to make a final decision, does God really want me to do this? So he goes up to Haran, and while he's in Haran, he looks at the wilderness and the unknown in front of him, and he stops and says, this is far enough. Again, as we see with Abram, his son, their family prospers in Haran. But I wonder what that was like for Terah. I wonder what it was like to believe that you were to go to Canaan, but to not be quite ready. To move, but to move along the trade routes that you know, and when you come to the last point where you have to make a final decision, you say no. I choose safety. I choose security. I choose what's known. I choose where we know we can prosper. And you stay in Haran. But I wonder if there were regrets in that. I wonder what that was like for Tara as his years went by to wonder what if. This is not an uncommon thing. John Ortberg writes about how you and I have these moments where we wonder what if, especially as our lives move on. He writes and says this, there's an entire field in the social sciences around the psychology of regret. One of the most striking findings is the way that regret changes over the course of our lives. Short-term regrets most often involve wishing we hadn't done something. I wish I hadn't eaten that peach cobbler. I wish I hadn't asked that girl out and been rejected. Over time, our perspective shifts. As we get older, we come to regret those actions we did not take. The word of love we never spoke. The chance to serve we never took. The costly love we never gave. We begin our lives regretting the wrong things we have done, but we often end them regretting the open doors we never went through. What I want us to see here is that the call that Abram receives may not have been as unique as we think. What's unique is his ability to follow. And what that all comes down to in the end, what separates Abram from Terah, what separates you and I Choosing the path of Terah. Choosing to potentially live our lives with the questions of what if. Versus being like Abram and stepping into the unknown and following a call that will impact us and the world. Is the ability to trust. To trust. This is what separates Abram from so many of the rest of us. It's his ability to trust God, to trust God to step into the unknown. There is no scriptural evidence that Abram is more talented. There's no scriptural evidence that he is more moral. There's no scriptural evidence that he is more righteous. There's no scriptural evidence that he is more light. There's no scriptural evidence that he is more holy. There is no scriptural evidence that he is more moral. 
The only scriptural evidence of what makes Abram different from other people is his ability to trust. And what I want us to hear is that trust in God is something that we can learn. It's not something we're born with. We can learn to live like Abram. We can learn to receive the call that God has for us. We can learn to hear and follow our callings because trust is something that you're not born with. It's something that you learn. If I sit here today and just say, so the moral of this is we all have to trust God. We can nod our heads. You can nod your head. I can nod my head and in my heart think I'll do that. But when push comes to shove over and over and over again in most of our lives, we continue to pick the path of Terah. Trust has to be learned and earned over time. And so where we end this and where we go with this is back to the three habits. I would like for us to end this series by you seeing these habits, not just as actions and disciplines, but think of them as trust exercises. Because if there's not an element of trusting in God, these habits don't really make a lot of sense. I mean, take solitude, for example. If all solitude is following the rules that I'm just supposed to read the scripture and see what happens in that, then, then we're going to get bored with it and move away from it. But if we sit there and say we called to take prayer walks, we're called to read a devotion, we're called in, in, in to live in solitude with God, practicing the presence of God, because there's an act of trust that when we do that, God will show up. God will speak to us. God will shape our minds. God will shape our hearts. God will shape our souls. But it's a step of trust to build that habit in. Learning to trust that God will show up and be faithful as we live out this biblical principle. Or take the, the, the habit of community. The idea of just getting together and, and sharing with one another and letting people pray with us and taking off our masks is, is a scary thing. It's a vulnerable thing. Our culture takes us individualism and doing it on our own and not letting people in. We don't just do this because it's the right thing to do, but we see in the scriptures that Jesus says, where two or three are gathered in my name, that's where I am as well. That as we, as we tell the truth to each other, as we pray for each other, as we check in with each other, as we learn to walk together, as we hold each other accountable in love for all that God wants to do in our lives, we are trusting that God shows up and shapes and changes us like we can't do by ourselves. It's an act of trust or service. It's so natural for us just to see the world and see my day based on what I want. But if I seek to empty myself for those around me, if I seek to serve those around me, if I seek to give of my finances, if I seek to give of my time, it's not that I'm just going to be taken advantage of. But I'm trusting that God shows up and changes the world. And the God who also provides for me as I serve uh, is going to continue providing in the future. I'm not just going to get taken advantage of. Each of these is learning on a daily basis that God is trustworthy. And if day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year, we build these habits into our lives, we learn to trust God in the small things, then we are positioned at that moment when the big call comes. And they come to you, to me, to all of us, to Abram and to Terah. What separates us putting our trust into action is can we trust God in the little things and when we learn we can, we can then trust him in the big things. To live a life of planning, of our control is comforting, but it is a life that is too small. 
God is calling us. May we build the habits of trust to say yes, to step into a story bigger than anything we can imagine. And may we do so together. Hallelujah and amen.